with that uh, caring uh, pregnancy resource center, they it, it's not all just counseling um, the young ladies to look at the options other other than abortion. They they also have clothing for uh, families, um, and all all of that is. Uh, free there to those families that need it. I think there are diapers. There are, uh, I mean, all kinds of, of different items that a family may need. I know in the past they've had playpens and, I mean, uh, car some, I don't know if car seats, I don't know how that legality is, but car seat, different things. So, I mean, it's a, it's a resource center for uh, those mamas who are, who are needing help and, uh, we're just uh, glad that they are there and, and happy to be uh, um, a part of that and, and uh, helping with some of that too and just being a help in this community. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited too about some of the things that our church has been able to do. Uh, I, I don't know how much was uh, spent and, and it's just money. I mean, that that is all it is, it's just money. But I think it's been a blessing to many of our uh, single moms that are out there and, and working hard, and, and uh, we have been able to do uh, several oil changes for their vehicles, and uh, Nick has partnered with us on that and uh, done some other uh, help uh, with some of the other car issues that some of these ladies had, not just single moms, but our widows. Uh, widowers, we have been trying to be a blessing and help them. I know that with fixed incomes that um, some of those things become a real challenge whenever you are uh, looking at even just $100, just $100. Um, but you look at that and uh, it can be a real challenge. And, and I'm glad that our church family has stepped up and is helping in so many of those areas. And, and God has blessed that. And uh, in all of that, still giving us the liberties to do much of, of what we've been able to do. So I'd like you to take your Bibles. We'll, we'll be in Genesis. We're, we're going to start around Genesis 12. I'm going to scare some of you that know me. We're going to start in Genesis 12. We're probably going to go through Genesis chapter 18 all in one message. And so strap down, buckle in, and we'll get done when we get done. If it's 3 o'clock this afternoon, well, it'll be all right. So I'm, I'm kidding. <clears throat> but um, I, I, I was, uh, as I always do, I have now for years, start uh, the beginning of the year, always uh, read through the scriptures once a year. And then, uh, and then that's for my, just my devotions. And, and then, you know, you're preparing messages and, and uh, counseling, all of that. So you're in the word of God all the time. And, and, uh, and I would sure hope I am. And if you ever get a preacher that isn't, fire him and get him out of here. And so stay in the word of God. And, and uh, um, but so with that, you know, I usually have it separated. I, my devotions are for me personally. And then, uh, then I ask the Lord also to give me stuff for messages. But today I was, I was, had read this in my devotions and thought, you know, I could, this is something that God has given me and, and I might share some of this on, on the Facebook devotion that, that I do every day uh, during the week. And then uh, the Lord just kept prompting, said, no, this is something that 
needs to be shared with all of you. So it's really a quick overview of some things about the life of Abraham. And so it is, it is covering a lot of territory uh, in this, but <clears throat> I think it will even go along with our new theme that we'll introduce next week. But it, it deals with the character of a man, and it deals with uh, Abraham, who was an example of a life of faith and obedience. And it is what we need to be. And in our lives today, our, our spouses, if we're married, our our spouses need to, to uh, see a spouse that is one that characterizes a life of obedience and faith to, uh, to uh, our Lord. We need, our world needs to see uh, Christians today that are walking a life of faith and, and obedience to God's word. And, and the world needs this, and, and uh, we need to, to be stepping up and being what it is that God wants us to be, not what we want to be, but truly what God wants us to be. So I asked some questions to get my own thoughts going, and maybe this will help you also, but what characterizes a man of faith and obedience? What, what is it that you would say would characterize a man of faith and obedience? And w- would it um, always be a life of comfort? I, I, don't, I don't believe so. I believe that really what you see in the Scripture is that uh, a, a faith untested is a faith untrusted, and so there, there needs to be some uh, testings of there, and, and there are trials in a, in a person's life, and, and we're going to see that in Abraham. And Abraham was, was uh, commended by God and, and was made the father of the Jews, an entire nation, and, uh, but we also find out that Abraham wasn't necessarily what we would call perfect. Uh, Abraham made some bad choices along the way, and God still blessed him. And so today, I hope that, first of all, I hope two things, two, two things for this. I, I pray that it will be an encouragement to all of us that if you have called on Christ to be your Savior, that, and I harp on this a lot because I think we all sometimes expect too much, but God does not expect perfection from us. And so let us not live with insecurity and let's not live in, in an anxiousness that, uh, uh, of those failings that we have, but let's, let's walk in confidence that we are a child of God and that God is using us and that, yes, we need to keep a close account of sin. We saw that this morning in our Connections class, but we also know that, that uh, God loves us. And so let's live in that confidence and then Let's be encouraging to others as we go out and walk today. Let, let's uh, show the world what it means to truly believe and act upon and apply what it is that we know are the truths of God's Word. And that's what I believe Abraham did. And Abraham was a genuine man, and he was one that lived a, a life of faith, and God blessed him and has set an example for us, and so that's what we want to see. I, I just want to see some characteristics and and an example of a man that lived a life of faith and obedience. So we get all the way back in in just the last few verses of chapter eleven, and we see first of all that in the in the uh, life of Abraham that it wasn't necessarily always an easy life. Abraham had some hard things that went on in his life also, and and it tells us here in the Last part of chapter 11, verse 28, and 
Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in the Ur of Chaldees. Haran was one of the brothers of, of Abraham. And so now we, we have uh, 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 Abraham who has lost one of his brothers. Some of you have lost a brother. Some of you have lost a, a, a sibling, maybe a sister. Or, and, and so you understand that uh, life can be difficult. Life can be full of challenges along the way. And, and so we see that his brother had died. And then you get down to verse 32. And the days of Terah were 205 years. And Terah died in Haran. He also died. And so now his dad had died. And, and they, they were moving south. And they had moved into this era of Chaldees. And were living there. And, 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 and actually it sounds like his father was wanting to take them down south into the land of Canaan, and he died before he got it done. And, and so then, so we have here that Abraham had to deal with some losses in his own life. And there are more losses that he, we know that later on that his wife Sarah dies. And so Abraham was one that was very familiar with death and the loss of loved ones, and, and, but we see that that didn't affect his faith. And and his obedience to God, and, and so it wasn't always an easy life, but his life was also full of unknowns. How many of us have things that, that are just unknown to us? I, I think that is where we're at today, that we are so full of information. I, I sometimes wonder if, if God has truly equipped us to handle all of the information that we're flooded with today. I mean, we are, we, we are given news from all around the world, and it's instant. And, and we know of, you know, what's going on all over the world. And, and just within minutes after it takes place, it's, it's spread out all over the world. And, and we're flooded with all of this information that, that, that we have. And, and much of that, what can I do about trade with China. I can't do anything about that. I mean, what can I do with, with you know, the United Kingdom and their, and their interest rates are, and, and their inflation is a whole lot worse than ours? What can I do about that? You know, what, what can I do about the price of strawberries? You know, I can gripe about it. You know, what were they, $6 a pound? I told my wife, I said, look, there's fresh strawberries over there. She said, they're $6.99 a pound. I'm like, yeah, but they're good. Not for $6.99 a pound, you know? So, so we ate tomatoes instead. <laughs> it's just not the same. Uh, so, but, you know, we're, we're full of the unknown. And, and, and I, do, I do honestly believe in, in the counseling, and not just counseling, just dealing with people in everyday life that, so much of the, the anxiety, so much of the stress, so, so much of the attitude, so, so much of, you know, just the world view of things is brought about because of, of the unknowns that we have in life. You, you know what? God, God tells us in Matthew 6, don't even be concerned about the, the evil of tomorrow. There will be plenty of it today. And so, really, you just need to be concerned today about... He says, don't even be concerned about the home that you live in, where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, or what you're going to wear. Ladies, did you hear that? He said, don't be, con just 
I, I got to quit. I, the thoughts that come flooding the mind, you know? But he says, don't be concerned about those things. He said, look, I take care of the sparrows. I'll take care of those things. What, what is it that you are to do? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And then he goes on and give no thought about tomorrow be, and just give thought to today. And, and what is it that we give thought today for? To bring honor and glory to God and to walk and seek the kingdom of God and seek his righteousness. And how do we go about doing that? By being the kind of believer that we ought to be and, and, and being the, the father that I ought to be to my family and being the husband. First of all, I should be a, a believer in my relationship with him. Secondly, I ought to be concerned about being the husband that I ought to be to my wife. Thirdly, I ought to be focused on being the, 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 the kind of person, the kind of dad that I ought to be. Fourthly, I ought to be concerned about the kind of pastor that I ought to be for you. Fifthly, I ought to be concerned about the kind of believer that I ought to be to the rest of the world that is out there. And then the, the other things you can be concerned about, you get those five things in the order that they ought to be, you find out that things will go a little smoother in your life. And those are known. Those are known things that God has given us in his word and showing us how to be the kind of believer you ought to be, the husband you ought to be, or the mother, whichever. And, and so the, how you ought to be raising your family and treating your children and how you ought to be behaving in, in the the church of God and being the example of, of Christ for Platte Valley Baptist Church in this community and how you ought to be treating the unsaved world today, those are all knowns and those are the things that we ought to focus on. And don't be concerned about the unknowns. But so often we're so concerned with the unknowns that what it does is it weakens our faith and weakens our obedience to the word of God. And so here, Abraham's life was full of unknowns. Verse 1, chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and unto a land that I will show thee. Abraham, I want you to pack up, and I want you to take your family, and I want you to move. I'm going to show you the country that I want you to move to, and that's where you're going to live. I don't know, God, I'm pretty comfortable right here in the area of Chaldees. If you go back and study it, that was a very um, beautiful area and flush and, and, and was uh, very nice and great agricultural area and green. And, and now you're, you're sending me some, I don't know anything about this other place, God, but it's an unknown. But God said, I want you to go there. And then he gets in there and, or he, he's in so He's going to go, in verse 2 it says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's kind of an unknown. How would you like that, you know? God comes to you in a vision, and here you are. You're just minding your own business, you know? You're dealing with the grief of your brother has died, your dad has died, and you're trying to raise your sheep and raise your family and mind your own business and do what you're supposed to do. And then God comes to you and says, Abraham, I want you to pack up and I want you to move. And not only do I want you to move, but I am going to make you great. Really? Well, how are you going to do that? Well, I didn't tell you that. You just need to go. You need to do what I tell you right now. And don't be concerned about those things. Just do 
what you are supposed to do. The known for Abraham, Abram at the time, and shows us that a great father is what that, that means. And so he must have been a, a great father in that he had, he had many workers around him. He had a great family, and obviously he was a great husband. He wasn't a, really, he wasn't a great father. He didn't have any kids. So here we see that's what Abram means. And then later on, he becomes Abraham, and that means father of many. And so his name gets changed. But until then, God just says, you need, this is what you're supposed to do. You know you're supposed to take your family and move. So go move. Go do what it is you're supposed to do. What do we do today? We do the known. Don't be concerned about the unknown. Don't be stressing out over the unknown. And so often we do, don't we? But here, if we're going to live a life of faith and obedience, then trust in what God tells us to do at this moment and be obedient to that. And so it promised he'd be a great nation. We know that Abraham was put in places where he had to obey without always knowing and seeing God. I find it interesting. You go to verse 8, and you remove from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. Bethel means house of God. And so here you have on the east, you have the, the, the place called Bethel, which is the house of God. And it's there that he pitched his tent. It's there that we have worship. It's there that we have a closeness of God. It's there that, that we're walking with God and knowing his will and, 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 and truly being the, the kind of body that we ought to be and worshiping our Savior, worshiping our God, and being obedient at the house of God, right? Well, then it says, having Bethel um, and pitched his tent, having uh, Bethel on the west and I on the east. And so now we have, here, here he is on the east side of the country, and now you have Bethel, but then on further over. Now you have high. You know what high means? Ruin. Ruin. And so here he is next to the house of God, but just not very far away is ruin. You ever given thought to the, to the enormity of the decisions that you make every day and how they will impact you, your wife, and your family for years to come. You can choose to make those decisions by walking closely to God, walking in the power of the Spirit, and, and yes, there are times when, when you're like, Lord, you really need to show me what to do. Well, may I say, don't panic when he doesn't show you immediately and make a decision because i got to make a decision, Lord, because I can't stand to be here in, the, in this state of confusion, and, and I have to make a decision, so I'm going to make a decision. And, and usually when you do that, you make the wrong decision. You wait until God gives you a peace of heart through counseling, through godly counseling, through prayer, and through the peace of God, through, the, through what you know the Bible says is the will of God, you take all of those things in consideration, and then God will give you the peace and, the, and show you what it is, the decision that you need to make. Because you need to be careful, and you need to make it at the house of God, and don't make it in ruin. Oh, how many times do our families pay the price because of the, the husband and the wife making some quick decision on something 
that impacts their family 20 years down the road. Be careful with that. And so here, his life was full of many unknowns. Our life is full of many unknowns today. What are we going to do with it? Well, we're going to keep doing the things that are known. That, that's how it helps me. I mean, I can get pretty worked up. I, if you don't know that, you will. And, I mean, you can get pretty worked up over things that, and, and really the things that I get worked up are things I can't control, and that's why you get worked up. And so what God does is bring you back to the center of his word and the center of his will, and you stay focused on the things that you know you're supposed to do. And as long as I do that, I'm okay. And I find that whatever the pressures are that come, I handle them much better. And I handle them in a healthy, spiritual way. And as for you also, it will do the same. Then we go on further over in verse 10, and I can't read this for time's sake, but Abraham, I just want you guys to know, Abraham was not perfect. Because it tells us that when, when Abraham came into that land of Canaan, God said, all of this is yours. All of this is yours. And so Abraham, I, uh, he, he was a nomad. I mean, he, he moved. That was just part of his life. And they lived in a tent, and he enjoyed it. I don't think I'd enjoy living in a tent all the time. But he did, and they moved around. Loved all of that and, and went around. He's looking at all of the country and this is all yours. And, and that's what he's telling Abraham. Enjoy this and, and I will bless you with this and, and I will give you this and under thy seed will I give this land. And, and so that's, that's what he told him in verse 7. And well, then we get over to verse 10 and, and it says, and there was a famine in the land. Okay, there's a famine in the land. I think there's a, a famine in our country. I think there's a famine in our state. I think in the immor immorality that is being pushed upon our children and pushed upon us as adults and in our society, there is much of a famine that is going on. Does it say that, that so then we go to the world and look for help during this time? Well, here it tells us, it says that there was a famine in the land. And what did Abraham do? He went down. He went down. Now, I know and understand that geographically, uh, Egypt being south, and so he went down in that way, but, oh, there's a spiritual implication here also. You can look at Jonah, and the whole time that Jonah was running from God, everything was going down. May I say that in, in your life, too, that we are not perfect, okay, we understand that and know that we all sin and come short of the glory of God. But at some point in time, you have to stop the bleeding, okay? Sometimes you've got to stop and, and realize who you are and that take, take responsibility and ownership for your bad decisions and ownership for your carnality and your decisions that you've made without God. Nobody else's fault. You're the one that ultimately made that decision. And so it's on you. And so there's at some point in time, you have to stop going down, okay? Well, here Abram left, and he said, man, there's a famine here, God. It doesn't say anything that he prayed to God and asked God, where do I go, God? What, what do I do here? He just went down, and he went down to Egypt. In the Old Testament, every time you read about Egypt, it is a picture of the world. When is it ever okay for the Christian, then, to look for the world to be what meets our needs? God meets our needs. 
We don't need the world. I understand you have a secular job and, and you make the money and all of that, but God's the one that gave you that. God's the one that wants to use you in that job, wherever you are, to bring honor and glory to him. If you're not bringing honor and glory to him in your job, then you need to ask why you're in that job, and maybe you need a new job, or maybe you need to rethink your thoughts and what you're doing and make it glorify God. Live in a way that's honoring and glorifying to him. But here we see that he wasn't perfect, and guess what? He goes into Egypt. While he's in Egypt, he lies. Lies about his wife, Sarah, and says that she's his sister. And we see the Pharaoh pays a great price and, and, and uh, wanting to take Sarah as another wife, and God is not going to allow that to happen. And so Pharaoh finally realizes what's going on and kicks, how'd you like that? You're so carnal that the world don't want you. <laughs> I mean, that's bad, isn't it? And he gets kicked out. Abraham, the father of all nations, loses his testimony with the world. Anybody here? You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody here ever lost your testimony? Yeah, oh, I've blew, I blown it. Yeah, I, I've blown my testimony. Shameful, you know, later. And it really doesn't take long. About a half a second afterwards, the Holy Spirit's like, mm, shouldn't have done that. And so, oh, how careful we need to be, right? And so, what do we do? Well, you know what we do? We, we, do, we do exactly what, what it tells us that, that uh, he did here. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 13, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him, and into the south. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Repent of those things that you've done and get it right with God and then move on. Don't, don't live in that. And, and don't, this, this isn't in my notes, but if you're married, don't keep bringing it back up and putting your spouse back in that. Okay? Sarah could have harped at him and said, you know what, Abraham, if we wouldn't have gone into Egypt, we wouldn't have had all these problems. And, and by this time, Abraham has come back to Bethel, gotten things right with God, confessed these things, Lord, I need to stay right in the house of God, right in the place of worship, right in the place of your will in my life. I need to stay there, and Lord, forgive me of those bad decisions that I've made, and, and now bless us, and, and God is blessing them. And But then Sarah, something bad came out and said, See, you know what, if you wouldn't have done that, now the liquid, you know, what good does that do? What Really, what good does that do? Is your husband perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. Are your children perfect? No. What's important is do the right thing. What's the right thing? Confess it, get it right, and then move forward. And quit bringing it up. God doesn't bring it up. If it's confessed, if it's sin that is confessed, and somebody keeps bringing up that guilt and in your mind and the shame of that, that does not come from God. That comes from the devil and it comes from your own fleshly thinking. It doesn't come from God. It's forgiven in God's mind, his heart, and his life, and he's moving you forward, wanting you to go forward in your life. Look, Abraham wasn't perfect, neither are we. Get to chapter 15, and, and I, I know we're skipping a lot of stuff, okay? 
I think that one of the payments of sin in the bad decision that, that Abram made by going into Egypt and looking to the world, I think it greatly influenced Lot in the decisions that Lot made. And in, we see that in chapter 13 and 14 where, where we see that, Ab, uh, that Lot had split up with Abraham. Where did Lot end up? At Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And I think that a lot of that was brought on by the, the weakened testimony of Abram. And you know what the great thing is? Abraham wasn't, Abram wasn't perfect, but Abram was a saved man. Look in chapter 15 and look at verse 6. And he believed in the Lord. He trusted him. Now, you need to understand, Abraham didn't know everything that we know today. We are in a blessed time of life, okay? We truly are blessed in a, time, in a dispensation where, where we, we have the complete word of God in front of us. We know what is going to happen. Isn't that amazing? We, we know all of that. We know all the way to the end of this world here. We know the eternal state that we will be in. We know all of that. Abraham did not know all of that, okay? Abram knew that there was a Messiah to come. He knew that all the way back. They all knew that from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That since the day of cre- after creation, Adam and Eve were even told about Jesus and the Messiah. Do they know as much as we do? Absolutely not, okay? And, and even by the New Testament time, Paul and those guys, they knew quite a bit, but they didn't have the New Testament either. And so they're still going on. Uh, they, have, they had more knowledge than Abraham had. But isn't it great in God's mercy that God saved him by his faith? In what, what Abraham knew, knowing there was a Messiah that he needed to look to, knowing and understanding that there needed to be a blood sacrifice, that had been taught all the way back when God clothed Adam and Eve with the skin of an animal. They understood then that there had to be a blood sacrifice to approach God. So they, they, they have known all of that. This is before the Mosaic Law. But here we see that Abram was, was, was found to be saved because he believed in the Lord and he, God, counted, regarded, imputed, or reckoned it to him for righteousness. Abraham was righteous in the eyes of God because he believed by his trust. That people have been saved the same way from day 1 by faith in the very grace of God, by faith in who God is, by faith in the Messiah that was either to come or as we look now as the one that has come. They've always been saved the same way. And so Abram was a saved man, and he trusted the Lord. And so here I, we, we think about this life of faith, and do you know Jesus as your Savior today? Are you trusting completely in the saving work of Christ today? It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, tells us that. It's only in the work of Jesus Christ. And so we know as a saved man, he was promised a land full that that was full of the enemy i mean imagine that and and we think about what god has promised us today and and we know and understand i i know i'm giving you guys a bunch okay but today in living in the land of canaan isn't really as believers today not talking about heaven 
It's talking about living a victorious Christian life. And when we live in that place of victorious Christian life, guess what? There are plenty of enemies out there. But even with all of those enemies around, we can still live in victory. Even as Abram. And so Abram goes into the land of Canaan and and we see that there are many that are there. Verses 18 through 21 in chapter 15 gives a list of all of those tribes and nations that had moved into that country. And that was God's chosen nation and, and, and was going to give them that land. And, and so there were many that were going to say, you're not going to get this land. You walk victoriously today as a believer and walking in the Spirit. The devil's going to be throwing all kinds of things at you saying you're not going to live that way. You're not going to have those promises of God. I'm going to make sure of it. I'm going to go after your life, and I'm going to bring up all kinds of junk in your life and all kinds of challenges, and you're going to fail. You know what God's saying? Just look to me, child, and I'll give you victory, and I'll give you what you need. And here we see that he was a saved man. He trusted the Lord. So if we're going to have a life of faith and obedience, then We need to understand it's not always an easy life, that there's many unknowns, that he wasn't perfect, but he was saved. Make sure that you are certain of your salvation today. And then we get to chapter 18. This is what caused, this is the statement that was brought on that developed this entire message. This will tell you the danger of living in the pastor's mind. It says, verse 1, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. I read that the other day, and and the word plains also has the idea, that's where the trees were at, okay? That's where the water was at. That's where the, the green pastures were at, okay? And here he is, he is separated from Lot, he has, he, he's building his own uh, uh, sheep flock and his cattle and the donkeys and all of that. And, and here you have him on this day, and he's sitting under these trees of, of, of I don't, I, I needed to look it up, Mamre or Mamre. I, I, I should have looked it up. But either way, that word means fat, which is a good thing. You see, it's even unbiblical now. Everybody talks about being fat as a bad thing. Fat is a good thing in the Old Testament. And, and as a matter of fact, I told my wife this as I was reading through this the other day. I said, these characters that are against milk and butter, they're unbiblical. <laughs> Abram gives the angels of the Lord and Jesus himself gives them butter and milk. It's biblical. Drink milk and eat butter, all right? And so that's your healthy advice from Pastor Monday. And there is no such thing as almond milk. I'm just, just going to leave it there. But I was sitting there and I read this, and can you picture this? I, I, I have a, I, I don't know, I love to read because my imagination is a lot better than even what movies can do, you know? or mine is anyway, and now that we can chew on these mushrooms, think about how crazy it can get, you know? <laughs> I'm really not, don't touch those things, all right? But anyway, but I have this picture, 
here he is in his large tent, you know, and, and, and the grass is green, and, and it's a very arid area, but here he is. He's in the green grass, and, and he's sitting there at the, at the door of his tent, and he's just content. He's content. I mean, God has blessed him, and God is leading him, and, and he's staying there in that place of worship and, and that place where he needs to be in the will of God. And, and, and really, that's, we can be there, okay? And I'm thinking of all of that that's going on, and, and, and here we see the angels come, and, and in this, they promise him, this is, I think, the third time now that God has come to him and said, you will have a child, Abraham. This, and, and, and we know that Abraham does some foolish things in his life and goes with Hagar and because he can't believe the promises of God. His faith was weak, just like ours. Still a saved man, even though he made some bad decisions. And we are still paying the price for the sin of Abraham with Hagar today. Okay? With, with, the, descendant, with the descendants of Ishmael, we still pay the price. That's why there's so much unrest in our world today and definitely so much unrest in the Muslim countries today. It's just part of it. And so we still pay the price for that. So don't think that your bad decisions will not impact your life and those around you and for generations to come. And so be careful with that. And But here we have that now at this time we see that that he is, he is doing well, and, and he's just right where he needs to be. And, and it's there that God comes and talks to him and makes those promises. And same way in our lives today, it's when we are content to be where God has us, and, and we are guarding our lives, and we're staying where we ought to be, and, and we're obeying what we know we're supposed to be doing, and we're walking in the Spirit, and we're allowing God to lead us and direct us, and we're keeping the world at bay and and we're keeping the the bad thoughts at bay that that don't need to be infiltrating our minds and and we're doing battle with the devil and we're not believing his lies and we're right where we need to be we are sitting at that tent door content with where god has us even though even though when you go ahead and read this chapter on over the hill is all kinds of chaos and confusion going on. Do you think Lot was sitting at his tent door content and happy with where he was? <laughs> Look at the opposite. Look at the contrast. And I won't for time's sake, but you need to go back and read this. Here is Abraham sitting at his tent door in the shade, Enjoying the blessings, he sees the angels coming, the angels of the Lord. I believe he recognized the one to be Jesus, who he is. And what does he do? He goes to his help, and he says, hey, prepare for some visitors. And he went and got a fatted calf, and he took them and said, get this calf ready. And he served them the milk and the butter and the blood sacrifice. And so, and he feeds them, and he welcomes them, and they're welcomed into his home, and they're comfortable in his home, and he talks to them, and they bless him. Jesus himself blesses him again, telling him, you are going to have a son. 
And then the next day, they rise up, and they're headed for Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, and, and Abraham could have been very content with where he was, and, and he could have said, you know, God, the, the quicker way is to go down this way so you can get there quicker, smite them on the head and destroy all of them and get them out of here because they're, they're a, a blemish on our country and they're an embarrassment to morality and, and, they're, and they're sick in their thoughts and, God, I'm glad you're going down there. Wipe them all out. I mean, he could have. He was very content where he was in his life. And, hey, I'm good. My life is good. It's those characters over the hill. Get them. But he didn't, did he? We see the heart of a man of faith and obedience and understanding. Yes, my salvation is secure. And yes, I need to walk in the Spirit every day. But God, those people over the hill, they really need you. You need to hear the truth. You need to hear the gospel. And yes, if they want to turn their back on that, then that's up to them. And so he pleaded for Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, God, if there were just 55 righteous people in that city, would you not destroy it? God said, yeah, I'll save the city if there's 55 righteous. Abraham said, well, what about 50? Sure, you find 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, and I won't destroy it. Well, God, what about 40? Sure. God, I don't mean to try your patience, but what if we went all the way down to 10? 10 righteous people in that city. Lord, Lord, would you not show your wrath upon them, but instead, Father, would you show your grace and your mercy upon them? Sure. Sure, son, I would do that. But you know what, Abraham? There's not even 10 righteous people in that city. And so he goes, meets up with Lot. Those angels go, and what does Lot do? Oh, he runs out there to greet them. And he's like, hey, come on, guys. You need to come on in here. You need to get in my house, okay? Let's, let's go behind the bushes here. Let's go in the back door. Maybe nobody saw you, you know. Come on, you need to get in here. You're not going to stay out on the street. You need to get in here, and, and you need to, to stay with us. And, and we know that they came knocking on the doors because... And, and, and the liberals want to say that Sodom and Gomorrah, I have no idea why they were destroyed in a liberal's mind. The liberal, that the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of what we get from Sodomite. And so it is because of the immoral behavior and the sexual activity that they were practicing. And that is what brought the destruction upon their cities. And God destroyed those cities, even though Abraham was begging for God to show his mercy. You know what I find? I find that one to be very convicting. I'm probably the guy that's standing up on the hill and wanting to go get the buttered popcorn and sit up there with a chair and watch all the happenings. But Abraham wasn't that way. Abraham was begging and pleading for God. He had a heart for the unsaved. I mean, it tells us in verse 23 of chapter 18, and Abraham drew near. He drew near to God. I mean, he wanted God to know how important this was to him. He had that kind of heart. 
You know what our world needs today? We need people who are fiercely, fiercely loyal to God, to the Savior, and to his word. We do. We need to be fiercely loyal to our faith and to stand guard and to protect that and defend it and earnestly contend for the faith. Absolutely. You know what? We need to do it with love. And we need to learn to love people like God loves them. And I believe that when we walk in faith and obedience, as Abraham did, that we'll have that heart that we ought to have. doesn't mean that we accept the behavior. There's nothing biblical about accepting sinful behavior in my life or yours. But there needs to be a love and a compassion for people to see the truth of who God is. God is holy and just, and it is a fearful thing to land in the hands of an angry God. Our Father, our God, is a consuming fire. And every time you see those men who walk closely with God and they watch the hand of God being uh, administer wrath, they begged for God not to do it because they saw how fierce it was. Let our world see. Let our community see. Let us see people who are willing to forgive, who are willing to take you where you are and help you to get where you need to be. No condemnation, no judgment, just help and love and encouragement and accountability. Reprove and rebuke. Do both and encourage and help each other to get where they need to be. Let us be like Abraham, a life of faith and obedience. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the example of Abraham. Lord, I think of my own life today, and I think about, I know I'm not perfect, but Lord, I don't want to use that as my excuse. I want to do better. And Lord, I know that these guys that are sitting here today, each one of them, that they're here to hear from you, and they want to do better. There's one here that understands, has come to that realization that well, they need to start by realizing they're a sinner, and they do, and they realize now that they need to call on you to be their Savior. I pray that, Father, today they would do so. Lord, for those who are believers, that, Father, you'll point out things that we're doing good and encourage us in that, and also show us the things that we need to change. Lord, whatever they are and whatever you're pricking each person's heart about today, I pray that before they leave here today, that they take care of that. Do the business with you that they need to do. Let them sit right where they are. Let them come. Let them catch someone after the service. Let them nail something to the cross today that they need to leave there and walk away from. And just whatever it is that, Father, when we walk out of here today, every one of us, our heart is pure, clean, and righteous with you. I pray, Father, that you will be honored and glorified. Even as we sing this verse of this song, 
And Lord, you'll do a work in the hearts of each one who's here. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.